Welcome, everybody, to a very special episode of Random Encounter, the RPG Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Steinman, Pale Robbie on the boards. Joining me today, we have the Eater of Crow. Uh, this is John McCarroll, uh, executive editor. And unfortunately, Dungeon Siege 3 did not make the NPD for July. But, but the November release of uh, Fallout New Vegas did. Which is just bizarre. Uh, and we also have welcome back to the podcast to... Liz, that's you. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I, I didn't know if you were going for me or Steven. No, I was going for you because Steven has a dramatic introduction. So, Liz, introduce yourself. Oh, right. Dramatic introduction. Okay. I'm Liz, chief news editor of RPG Fan. Okay. <clears throat> and she, she is also insanely jealous at our friend Steven, who – Steven, what were you – Steven, what were you up to this past weekend? I went to Montreal to do an investigation. <laughs> That's actually really good, dude. Adam. <laughs> I'm Stephen Myring, and I'm Taylor's on the boards. So and I'm I, playing Human Revolution. <laughs> I, I think we should start with the lead-up to Stephen's event. I think that's a good idea. So, Stephen, tell us a little bit about uh, what you were doing. Just get, give us a lead-in to what you were doing this past week in Montreal. No, no, no. I'm talking before he got to Montreal. Oh, before he got to Montreal? Oh, okay. Do, do a lead-in before you got to Montreal. Thanks, John. We got on the flight, and somebody sabotaged the radio. So I got <laughs> off the flight, and then I had to wait in line for two hours. And after two hours, I got rebooked to a flight that was four hours later. And then I got on that flight and went somewhere else. And then the next flight got delayed by four hours. So I spent 14 hours in the airport. It's not- Adam it sounds like we were invaded by Christian Bale's Batman just now. <laughs> so Stephen had a little bit of trouble getting up to Montreal, but once he did get up there, you got to take part in a little Deus Ex Review event, did you not? Yes. Okay, so now we're back to normal voice. So <clears throat> tell us a little bit about your experience, uh, what, what was going on up there in Montreal before we talk about the game. Okay, well, um, so... I basically got there, and we went over to Eidos Montreal, and they started out with a little breakdown of the series, and, uh, you know, they, they talked about the original, you know, when it came out, what people loved about it, you know, and that sort of thing. And then they mentioned that people weren't as big a fans of the sequel, and, you know, some people really hated it, some people just kind of hated it, but they, they acknowledged that it had, you know, good ideas, but it's just the, the fact that they oversimplified everything and, you know, cut out a lot of the RPG kind of killed it for a lot of people. Um they said what the what the big thing that they they thought was great about the second one was that it still had that aspect of player choice. It just cut basically everything else out. Um, so, and I have to say a bad word, but uh, speaking to the game director, um, they said that their goal going into Human Revolution was quote unquote don't fuck it up. <laughs> wow, and we just I, went we just went for broke with the uh, all right. That was a so, quote though. Exactly, it was a quote, so I could say it. Um, and so they did that. And then what they did is they took us around um, to different uh, members of the team and let us, you know, uh, they did little breakdowns of different aspects. Like we did, uh, there was a segment on, sorry, let me pull it up. Um, there was one session on the social and hacking aspects, which are the two sort of, uh, the, the main aspects. You have to go combat or stealth, but then you can opt to the secondary, you know, uh, basically ability sets, which are the social aspect and the hacking aspect. And so they sort of broke down how they came up with their systems for that and how they worked. And, um, you know, they showed us some really cool prototypes, which if you check out our Twitter, I have a picture of some of the Excel sheets they used to build it. And it's, it's really funny because it's so basic, but it's, you know, gets the point across. 
And then, uh, then we had a, a little discussion on the stealth gameplay, um, which was also very interesting. And I'll get more into that, and you guys can ask me questions or whatever. And then, uh, then we had an entire segment on the side content, which I was actually really happy they had because there's a ton of side content. Um, and then we got to have some hands-on time with the game for about four and a half hours. Um, and in between hands-on time, we got to do some interviews. And I got to interview the sound director, the producer, and the game director. Um, and, you know, again, if you guys have questions, we can do that. We'll have, you know, interviews up on the site in a few days once we get it all transcribed and everything. And then, you know, I'll write up my impressions of the demo probably tonight. Um, but, yeah, I got to play a, a good long chunk of the game. I, I can't talk about all of it, but, um, you know. Well, let, let me start by asking a question. This kind of goes back to uh, the E3 podcast, and it's kind of cool that we have people from that podcast back on here. Like, I was nervous about this game coming out of E3. Like, I, I think the quote that I said was, every time they've showed it, it that it looks a little bit rougher every time they show it. Now, Stephen, you and I were talking a little bit while you were up in Montreal, and you were telling me that you were really excited. So assuage my fears a little bit. Should I still be excited for Human Revolution? Was I just maybe seeing something that wasn't there? Like, make me feel a little bit better if you, like, from what we talked about on the phone, it seemed like you were really happy with what you saw. What I saw was a game that has different types of gameplay and choice built into it, and each of those is only an entirely optional portion. You can play it stealth, you can play it combat, you can play it as a ninja, you can play it as, you know, a ghost, you can totally avoid bad guys, you can destroy everybody in the room, you can hack, you can talk. And what I saw was a game that has all those aspects, and yet it does it better than most games that only focus on one. That already makes me excited. And the, yeah, the sure. gunplay in the game, unlike the original where damage was based on a dice roll and your skill, that's why they've cut skills out of the game is because they want the game to feel a little more, if you shoot a guy in the face, he's dead. Whereas in the original, you could shoot a guy in the face and he would be like, oh, ooh, and then, you know, he would keep shooting at you. Um, yeah, and that, that was one of my so, bigger complaints about the original game. So that's like... As I watched the developers play it and as I played it, I noticed... Very much so that the guns are punchy. Uh, it's quick. Uh, the stealth is outstanding. I mean, I, I've said it over and over again. I've said it to everybody that I could tell. The stealth is exceptionally well done. Um, the fact that you can hide behind cover feels fluid and natural. Um, Though, I, I have a question for you, uh, Stephen. Do you, do you play a lot of first-person shooters? I do. Okay. Um, when I played the demo at E3... I could not get used to the fact that the left trigger pulled me to cover as opposed to aimed down the sights. I mean, yeah, was, same here. Was, um, was that any different for you? I was having a little difficulty getting used to aiming down, to not having the ability to aim down the sights. Um, it is a little awkward. Um, yeah. But what makes up for it, I think, is the fact that as you get the augmentations for your aim, because um, one, one of the times I played through the demo, uh, or not the demo, but uh, the hands-on build they had for us, um, I went, you know, as a guy to gun people down, which I rarely do. And um, when you get those augmentations, it gets much, much easier to aim. Okay. Yeah, if I saw correctly, I, I forget which preview build it was of the game, but someone posted all the augmentations, and you get things like arm stabilizers to take away kickback of your guns and that sort of thing. So it's sort mm -hmm. of like you can make the game into a shooter. You can make Adam into a typical shooter hero if you want yeah. to. Yes. Which, what, what's interesting you saying about uh, the shooting being more visceral and more like a first-person shooter is I think some people might make a connection between that and Mass Effect 2. Which, I absolutely agree. Yeah. 
Yeah. It feels like the same difference, because, I mean, I've played the original recently, and I felt like Mass Effect 2 when I played the original, where it wasn't really a shooter, it was just I had to aim at the guy and then, you know, hope my skill was high enough. Um, yeah. It feels like Mass Effect 2, where, you know, you start blasting people, and it's, it's just, it's more satisfying to shoot people, because when you shoot them, they go down. Not not trying to get away from shooting, but I, I'm I'm much more interested in the stealth gameplay. I know regular listeners to the show know that I'm I'm a very big stealth game fan. Now, when it comes to stealth games, one thing that's really hard to do, I feel, is that is to have that situational awareness, to know what's going on in the room, and to have all the information conveyed to you easily, and to let you know where everybody is. So, how does the game go about letting you know where let the enemies are and make you happy? Okay. Uh, first of all, for starters, before you're augmented, the stealth, the, the button you press to go behind cover. Oh, by hold itself. on, hold on, Stephen, hold on one sec. You turned into a robot. I'm a robot. Turn back into Adam. Damn it, Stephen. Okay, you sound less robot yep. now. Go ahead. Go ahead. After I was aug- oh, all right. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> well, basically, first of all, the the thing that I know you'll be happy about, Rob, is that it doesn't need the augmentations to make the stealth gameplay good. The first mission is fun. Because I avoided every single bad guy in every single fight simply by using the cover system. Because when you go into cover, you can move the camera around. And it's not quite as realistic as being first person. But on the other hand, as a functional part of a video game, it is way more awesome. Because you can peek around a corner and, you know, you can see easily. But what really gets it, and I told the developers this too, when you're near a corner or an edge or any surface that isn't, you know, flush with what you're at, you can hold the X button and he will stay in cover and slide around the corner. So say you walk up and you're, you come up to the edge of a wall and, you know, there's a hallway in front of you. You can hold the X button and he will kind of like shimmy along the side and stay in cover. So you never have to come out of stealth if you don't want to. And well, That's and what that, I wish more games would do is just make it so you can peer around the corner or something without necessarily being seen. Yeah, for for all my complaints about Splinter Cell Conviction, and believe me, I had a lot, I did like the cover system. It felt very natural, it felt very... And I think what they're doing with Deus Ex is, since the game goes from first person to third person, they don't want to create that jarring sense of like, okay, when you're you're in third person when you're up against a wall, so then if they didn't have this system, then it would switch back into first person, then you'd go up to the next piece of cover and it would switch back, and it would just be very... It'd be very jarring, I think, and so I think that was a real conceit that they made to make it feel better as a game, and I applaud it. And you know what? It, I played the first game stealth, and it's it's really doesn't it's 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 stealth-ish. And even people who are huge fans have to admit the stealth in the first game is infuriating. But the stealth is wonderful. All you have to do is kneel in front of someone, and they can't see you. Well, the, the, that's sad. so. But basically, the the core system behind the stealth is so functional and that's why when they build on it with augmentations which i'll get to in a second it's so successful and you get a crap load of augmentations for stealth you get one that lets you uh mark enemies on the map and you can upgrade it so like you can say all right i see that guy he's tagged all right i see another guy he's tagged and then you will have markers on the field of your vision that show you where those people are in relation to you you can get the augmentation that uh, steals your footsteps you can get the augmentation that lets you go invisible you can get an enhancement to radar. You can get an ability to see through walls. So in terms of situational awareness and giving you information, you can become a complete stealth, just complete badass. I'm liking this right now. And the the act, the best way to explain it, and it's even the way the developers explained it, the stealth feels a lot like Metal Gear Solid. Ding! Done! I'm happy. I'm happy. Uh, I can leave the podcast right that's, now. 
that's how they developed it. They said it, it's not based around, you know, you know, people aren't going to see your shadow or something like that. It's based around line of sight, if they can see you, and your sound. I'm so happy right now. <laughs> so what if my sound card's bad? Oh. Then you were screwed. Well, you just need to augment <laughs> yourself. Yeah, augment yourself and get the silent footsteps augmentation, which uh, when I played the hands-on the first time, I like stealth. I immediately went for the. I completely maxed out my cloak and my silence, and I basically could just walk around totally silence. Now th- that gets to an interesting point. So you were making decisions in your augmentations. Now, uh, one thing that I'm a little nervous about, uh, and this is mostly a Western uh, RPG thing, is that I'm always worried about breaking my character. I'm always worried about you know ending up with, let's say, oh I don't know, a social vampire that can't deal damage in melee. Not <laughs> not pointing out a game that I've been playing recently, but now. Do they have a respec option, or does the game always give you the ability to use your stealthy character, Steven? Does it ever feel like you're being punished no. for being a stealthy character? No, and based on everything I've played, I can't talk about the reviewable, but sure. in the hands-on I played, um, the game never feels like it's punishing you for that. Uh, there are the boss fights, which the develop that's been endless amount of talk about them. The boss fights are compulsory. You have to kill the guy, and you have to kill him by shooting him in the face. Those are the only times where, you know, I've heard that, the, you know, that it's, you know, it breaks from that. But other than that, there are, you know, you can play the entire game in stealth. You can avoid it. I mean, they flat out said, other than the bosses, you can avoid killing and fighting every single enemy in the game. Cool. Now, I've seen lots of complaints on the boards. People don't like the fact that the boss fights are unavoidable and they're not like easy kills or anything. The director of the game said it best. He said, we failed to improve on the original in that aspect. And what he means is it's exactly the same way in the original Deus Ex. There are boss fights in the original where the only outcome is you have to shoot him in the face until he's dead. You can, you know, finagle it and get, like, the kill switches so you can just say the word and kill the person. But the fact of the matter is the game has boss fights, and they function basically like the first game. I haven't gotten to a boss fight in my playing yet, but... Yeah, and I think the other problem is that if they want to have a big set-piece moment, the way to do it is a boss fight. And, I mean, I'm very respectful of a developer that says, hey, you know, maybe for the next game we want to do it like this. We want to try something a little bit different. So I think that's okay for them to admit that. And I, and, I don't and view not, that as a negative. Like I, even Batman: Arkham Asylum is one of my favorite games of this console generation. Yeah, it has crappy boss fights, but you know what? I don't remember those when I play the game. No, and I don't think people will remember the boss fights in this. Like the thing is, sometimes I I say in terms of drama and conflict in a story, sometimes there's a dude that you have to kick his ass. There are sometimes people who come calling that need you to beat the crap out of them. Yeah, yeah, and sometimes you need to hide in a refrigerator when an apartment explodes and somehow... Shut you... up, Rob. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm adding levity, John. Come on now. Also, uh, quick side note while I'm thinking of it. The takedowns in the game are awesome because you can hold the button to do a death takedown where you kill them, which are really brutal, or you can mm. tap the button to do a non-lethal takedown. Those are very helpful. There's a takedown where, I kid you not, he grabs the guy, flips him over his shoulder, and, like, breaks his neck, but he uses his bionic arm to do it, so he spins the guy, like, eight times around on his neck. <laughs> oh, it is insanely violent. And the first time I saw it, I did it by accident. Game. <laughs> I, was, I was playing the game, and I, 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 could, I hadn't quite figured the buttons out yet. And in my hands-on, I'm walking down the street, and this chick walks up to me, and she's like, hey, how you doing? And I accidentally did the takedown. And I mutilated her neck. Done that in Assassin's Creed. And I said to myself, and I looked I looked around, like, in the room at everyone else that was playing, and I was like, did anybody just see me accidentally murder the crap out of that civilian? 
Okay, now I, that brings up two interesting questions. So I'll go back and then I'll go forward. So the first question I have is, is there any reward for being – like you know how in Metal Gear you can always play the non-lethal run-through, but you never really get a reward for it except it just makes the sorrow fight that much easier? Do you get a reward for being non-lethal? And then the you other question – You get que- rewarded both ways. If you decide to murder everyone, you will get a, you'll get extra experience points for kill, clearing the entire building. If you decide not to kill anyone, when you get through a room, it will get you'll get additional experience points. It's called Merciful Soul, and you get additional points for not killing people. And the the game reacts to that, like you know. Wow, I can't. All right, never mind. I'm getting to stuff I can't talk okay, about. Okay, then don't talk about. It, then don't talk about. It. Don't want to get you in trouble. So okay, okay. Now then, the other question I have is. What was the consequence for breaking the civilian's neck? Like uh, anything... all the cops immediately shot me in the face until I was dead as hell. Oh god. <laughs> okay. Uh, just wanted to make sure. Okay. And the thing is, if I had been able to kill them, I would have gotten away with it. But the fact <laughs> is, the cops had big scary guns. I was, you know, this is uh, this is funny. I sat down and everyone else started playing. I immediately went to the menus and jacked the difficulty up and turned off the highlights. Jesus. <laughs> and then I and then I and then I literally died like eight times in a row, and I said, all right, this is infuriating. So I put it out back down, because I didn't know the game yet, so I was basically just getting manhandled, so I had to play it on regular difficulty. Steven's just like, I represent RPGfan.com. We play our games hard. <laughs> if I had been up there, I would have been like, crap, man, I'm putting this game down on easy, because I want to enjoy it. I'm sitting there going, yeah, we play, I play games on hard, and then I murder civilians. You're just like, man, I beat King Alant in Demon Souls at level one. What? Shh. Oh, Actually, the first time I beat King of Land, it was in multiplayer, so I, you know. Oh. Uh, but you know what? It's because I didn't know he was the final boss. Okay, okay. So now back to Deus Ex. <laughs> Deus Ex. So I don't want to hog up all the time, guys. So John and Liz, you guys got questions for Steven, too? I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to. Steven? This... Yeah. Did you play lethal at all, or did you do entirely stealth, non lethal stuff? I played through the hands on a couple of times, and I played uh, two times lethal. Uh, once just because it's awesome. Mm. I mean, I play non-lethal as a matter of it's a challenge, and I kind of like the whole, like, you know, being a merciful soul, but it's badass being lethal. <laughs> because the instant takedown kills are incredibly brutal. Like, he'll pop out and, like, shoot the blade out, and he'll, like, stab the guy through the back and then, like, punch him really hard so he, like, falls on the blade. It's awesome. Now, See, this uh, is why I'm going to play lethal. <laughs> now, I, I tend to play very, very lethal when I play games. My question is, I've run into issues before where I have been incapable of in completing the game because I have killed an important NPC. Um, do you know if I will be able to finish the game if I kill anyone and everyone? I specifically asked this question during one of my interviews, and I guess since it was at the event and not in my hands-on, I can talk about it. Um, the way they've built the game is that you can kill basically anybody, but the people who you shouldn't be allowed to kill will typically be in a position where you cannot kill them. For okay. example, play class. David Seraph will be in a room where you can't bring a gun, or you know there'll be a dude behind plate glass window. Exactly. Um, if you can kill them, it's because they're no longer important to the story. I think you can kill side quest characters and cancel the side quest, but that's it. But it makes a pretty obvious. Mm, I can't talk about that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You, you won't be able to break the game, I don't okay. think. Okay, so, so Steven's sitting here saying, like, you know, oh, yeah, it just breaks the side quest. You know, the person who's looking for their cat, Steven just snapped her neck. Like, <laughs> like, like oh, you're looking for your cat? You mean this cat that I twisted around? Woo! <laughs> That's horrible. That's pretty yeah, bad. I found your cat. <laughs> yeah, uh, like, no. In terms of, like, just visceral brutality, playing lethal is awesome. Oh, it's good. 
you frighten me sometimes, Stephen. <laughs> Why? In a good way. In a good way. Well, I that means he's a good person because he wouldn't do that in real life. I hope. What does that say about you, John? What that I'm incredibly nice, super violent. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm just uh, now. Like, God, I'm trying to think about more questions. Yeah. Here. So, um, okay. you know, I had a question that Rob caught me off saying I don't have a question. Oh God, Rob. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, John. <laughs> well, here, while you guys think of a question, I'll point out something that I know a lot of people who played the original are concerned with. I don't know why, but uh, a lot of people have asked me if you can play the game without augmentations. You, the game is built so that you can finish the entire game without a single augmentation. Wow! If you don't that's want cool. to. <laughs> Um, oh, that's great. And the thing is, the core shooting and the core stealth is fun enough that I could see that being feasible. I have no idea why you'd want to do that because the augmentations are awesome. But you then again, I, I guess that, that's part of the entire thematic well, that, element of their story that they're working into. That that reminds me of uh, of a game that probably no one ever played. Um, actually, related to Dungeon Siege earlier, which was Space Siege, which was the last Siege game that that uh, Gas Power did. Um, where throughout the entire game, you could uh, choose to be this, uh, you know, you're this guy, and you could choose to get your augmented uh, powers, but you got a better ending if you stayed human throughout. Hmm. Huh. That's well, I, I think the other thing that that makes me excited about is that that shows, just like Stephen was saying, that the core mechanics of the game are strong enough to stand on their own. Like, I, I'm not going to beat up on Deus Ex. I mean, I, I talked about it before on the podcast, but I really... It's just an old game. Right. I struggled to play it in 2011. Okay, God forbid a game that was over a decade old was kind of hard to play because I didn't see the mechanics as playing very well. They played kind of rough. Because it was held back by the technology. Sure. But the and augmentations the, is, the augmentations made the game fun. But now Deus Ex Human Revolution sounds like the core a, mechanics of the game are strong enough to stand on their own. And I, I you know, and I attempted to play without augs in one of my playthroughs. You know, I I basically got like uh, what did I get? I got like the the social augmentations. I got it so I could. Uh, I wanted to ask you about those. Like, well, did you get to play? It's called the Casey system, and what it is is when you're talking to somebody during one of the conversation fights, which are like the major conversations you have to have where you can, you know, talk affect the outcome. Oh, okay. You get information where you'll see um, – you can see uh, a breakdown of the person's personality as you're talking to them. You can see, you know, their current mood. Uh, you can see um, their – you can see all kinds of pertinent biological information that relates to what might help you with that person. Like you can read like a personality breakdown where it will say, oh, this person's very aggressive and doesn't take kindly to being, you know, scolded. And oh, you okay. know, you know, don't scold that guy. And so the thing is – you can work that out without any of the augmentations, but it's much easier if you have the augmentation. So this is stuff you can see so you know how to converse with them and get, like, the info you want or whatever. Correct. Because um, one thing I didn't realize with the game is the conversation boss fights that they've talked about are different from regular conversations. Regular conversations, you can just chat with people and do whatever you want. But there are several of major points in the game, like in that demo they've showed where the guy had to talk down the, the dude holding the hostage where you can, you know, the outcome of the conversation is very dramatic. Like, you know, you're talking to the guy, you're trying to convince him not to kill the hostage. Right, right. Uh, that's when these augmentations that's... come in handy. Yeah, and I, I think that that's... I think interesting. 
How does the game – you said that you know it's very hard to figure out how you're playing. If you don't have that social augmentation, you have to kind of ha- feel out the conversation and figure out how to get the person to do what you want. How does the game convey that to you? Because, of course, I'm thinking back to L.A. Noir and how – It's like real life. You, know, you just have to, you just have to listen. listen to the person and try to – well, here, we'll go with this. There was the – I guess – I guess I can talk about the first conversation boss fight because it's been shown in public demos. Like I've I've only played it in my reviewable, but I don't know if I can talk about that or not. Uh, uh, let's just let's just I, err I, on the side of caution. Let's yeah, just err right. on the side of caution. Well, so all right, then what I did is in my hands-on, I went through an area called the Hive, and I had to talk to this bartender and get him to tell me where this guy was. Uh huh. And I didn't have any social logs, so as I'm talking to him, all I have to go on is the way he's looking. Like they make facial expressions when you're talking. And, you know, I, I succeeded in the conversation and getting what I wanted because when you – he'll say like, oh, you're a jackass and I want you to leave. And then you get like three or four options and you can see the full text of what your guy's going to say. So what you have to do is basically look at every option and see, all right, which one do I think will persuade this guy the best? Wait, okay. wait. So, so you don't press doubt and become a raging asshole? Right. <laughs> hey, that's right. no, but you that's know, no, you know but that's exactly what you're going to say. It's a good point though because I've always had this massive disconnect with, uh, especially in LA noir, but also a little bit with Mass Effect, where every once in a while I would be like, Shepard, be a renegade, and instead he would just, you know, instead of being like forceful, he would just turn into a raging dick, and I'm just like. Yeah. I didn't need you to do that. Now, now then the other question I have, and I, I think I, I asked about this before, but I just want to ask it for the podcast. If you're playing Adam as, let's say, a dick, does he say dickish things, or is it always just relegated to the conversation that you're having? Or does it is, mold him as you go? It, it's not really a morality play like Mass Effect where you're a renegade or you're kind of a nice guy. The conversation mm. boss fights, the goal is for you to get the information you want okay. by telling the person what they want to hear. Well, that's good, though, because I'm... it's not a matter of your moral leaning. It's a matter of you have to know how to – you're basically a hostage negotiator. You have to tell this person what you – know, you have to get, your, get what you need from them. And I, I said it in my Mass Effect review and in my Fallout review. Like I'm tired of a morality ticker just showing up on screen and telling me when I do something good. And so I like the prospect of just, uh, again, to talk about the game that I've been playing a lot of, because I think they have a lot in common, Vampire doesn't have a morality system. And I really like that. Like, you're just trying to get the mission done. Now, if you do something horrible, like you get someone killed, then yes, you lose a humanity point, because that's what's part of that system. If you murder a civilian, the cops are going to start gunning you down. Exactly. And I I like that. I I guess... Am I the only one that's tired of seeing a morality ticker come up every time I have a choice between a blue and a red option? I don't mind it if I've only done it Mass Effect. Focused on it, like I don't mind it for the most part. But like in Deus Ex, it's out of place because it's not about morality. It's not about you know there are good guys and bad guys. It's there's this perspective and there's that perspective. Like it Mm -hmm. it it doesn't bother me in like Fallout where you know you lost karma. Well. The only times I usually lose karma is if I'm stealing something or something else. It's not – Yeah, it's not as prevalent. Like you're more worried about – especially in New Vegas, you're worried about allegiances, alliances. So um, – but, but getting back to Deus Ex, like how are – how's the presentation-wise? Like I, the game has always it, – it looks like the art style is winning out over – the graphics, if that makes sense. Like, it doesn't look like a graphically impressive game, but I really like the art style. What are they calling it? Like, Neo-Renaissance? Cyber-Renaissance. Cyber-Renaissance. And I, I really like... Like, the game is very yellow, but I like that. Yeah. Basically, um, 
from what I played, I played a PC version, and it looked like the version in my reviewable was more polished, but I can't tell. I, I'm not sure. But the game isn't the most technically impressive graphically, but the art is so good, and the deep, the amount of detail is so incredible that I would say it's a game with good graphics because, I mean, there are details everywhere. I mean, there there's no room that's just a cookie-cutter room. Every room has, like, tons of stuff scattered around it that's meticulously placed. Yeah, uh, like, I've seen the that the actually said The developers actually said they took inspiration from Blade Runner because if you watch Blade Runner, every time you go into a room, there's just clutter everywhere. That's how they built this. I mean, they sold me flat out when they said Adam Jensen's room is based on Rick Decker's room from Blade Runner. Because there's just crap everywhere. Does it have a horrible Harrison Ford voiceover? No. Okay, because that's what is, ruined. Is the he a replicant? Place. No, he's. A and doesn't oh, afraid of anybody. Oh, you jerk, John! No, he is not a replicant. I am tired of that theory. That Decker crane was for her. Okay, I'm sorry. I, I needed the. I, I needed. Actually, the, the crane was for both of them because that guy's a jerk off. Well, yes, but okay. <laughs> Anywho, anywho, back to Deus Ex. God, we are off topic today, but just spend a couple more minutes on Deus Ex, uh, Stephen. You assuage my fears, but now the question comes in. You're, you're taking this franchise that has kind of been gone for a long time. They announced that they're going to make a new Deus Ex. We're going to talk in a couple minutes about the Diablo fans. Like, Should fans of Deus Ex be excited for this game? Does this feel like Deus Ex, or does it feel like something new for people like me that maybe weren't there? Is this yeah. a game for everybody? Like, what is it? The, the developers sat down and they said, okay, we want to make a game that will please the fans. We want to make sure they're happy. And we want to make the game so good that everybody else likes it too. And by tightening the core mechanics and by getting all the pillars of gameplay right, like the stealth, the combat, getting everything right, I really feel like this should appeal to everybody. And Fans of the original, if they're big fan, you know, the biggest thing I hear is that people love the original because of the multiple approaches to situations. Based on what I've played in the hands-on, they have absolutely no reason to be upset because I played a mission four different times and I did it four completely different ways. Nice. I mean, I got into a building four different ways. And one of the, actually, one of the ways I'm going to say is kind of cool. Um, So I had to find my way into this place called The Hive. And... Um, basically I'm walking down the street and I'm like, all right, how do I get in? The guy at the front door won't let me in. You know, how do I get in? Well, I'm walking down the street and I hear some guy talking to another guy. And he's like, man, you know, Joey's such a jackass. He knows how to get into the hive and he won't tell us. And he's like, what? What are you talking about? And then he's all like, yeah, man, he found some secret entrance in the back. You know, I don't know where it is. I looked and I couldn't find it. And so I'm like, all right, I heard those dudes talking. I'm going to go look over here. So I go look in the back alley, and I look around, and sure enough, I find an entrance into the hive. Completely organically, without the game ever explicitly saying there's an entrance over there, I just heard a conversation in the world, and it led me to a solution. That's awesome. Yeah, that's cool. How big are the hubs? Are the hubs really, really big? The... Uh, I can't say that. Oh, you can't talk about that? I okay. Don't, I don't okay. think I can talk about that. Okay, okay. No, I don't want to get you in trouble. I mean, the, I, I just want to say, and, and Steven, I know you're, you want to say, like, thank you to uh, IDOS and Square Enix and, you know, for letting us do this kind of review event. I think that was really awesome. I listened to some of the interviews. I think I'm going to help Steven transcribe some of them tomorrow. Like, these are guys that really have a passion for the game, and you can feel it. This was not a game that was built in a marketing room like wow we need to get it we need to get those deus ex fans from 10 years ago these are guys that as you said didn't want to f up 
day. Of I had a, I had a conversation with another uh, a guy from another site from a gaming trend, and he said we were talking about some really bad game, and he goes, "I wonder why that game came out so bad." And I robot, said, not "Robot, a- robot, robot, robot." Take a second. Hello. it's like a really bad auto tune (laughs) auto tune all right try it again hello yeah sound good so i was talking to uh the guy here runs gamingtrend.com and uh we we something came up where we said man i wonder how they come up with oh yeah yeah. we were talking about movie games and somebody said you know i wonder how it must be soul crushing to work on a movie game knowing that your game is going to suck and that you don't care about it and he said, they said, yeah, I wonder why you get games like Human Revolution. And honestly, the reason is because the developers give a crap about that game. They want that game to be awesome. Yeah. Well, well you, I know mean, what? I, I, you know what? I, I respect that. But you know what? Budget and other things also take huge consideration into that. You know, my, my, my brother is a developer, and he does network programming. And you know what? He pours his all into projects, but you know what? If if the budget's not there, it doesn't matter how awesome you want the game to be. It exactly. matters. It matters how awesome the game is compared to the budget that it's given. Sure. If, if you give a game and time, the amount of time you have, which is right. exactly why I tell people on the boards too. Yes, the boss fights are compulsory, and there's no choice involved. But you know what? They ran out of time. Yeah. And, and I, there's nothing this game, they can do about that. This and, game was also supposed to come out what, like the very beginning of the year, and they pushed it all the way back to August just to give it more time. Like the same thing happened with Batman, and I think that seeing a game delayed, what is it Miyamoto said? You know, uh, a good game can be de- a delayed game can eventually be good, but a you know game that's released early will always be bad. So, which is why they should have done that with the 3DS, but never mind. <laughs> we're getting there. We're getting there. Okay, so Stephen, give us a final wrap up of Human Revolution, and then we'll move into news. Based on what I've played, based on who I've talked to, based on everything I've seen from this game, I feel like absolutely everybody can probably enjoy this game. Um, there are tons of ways to play it. Um, they're all equally rewarding. The developers wanted to reward you for playing your way, not punish you for not playing a certain way. And based on everything I've played, they've completely succeeded. The game is basically a sandbox for you to play in. Not a sandbox game, but they say, here's an objective, here's a place, get it done. Cool. Uh-huh. So so I should theoretically be able to murder anyone and anything? Steven, I, uh, well, John's going to gonna have just a barren that's wasteland. That's what I wanted, though. <laughs> John, John, if you get uh, candy bars, or you get these energy bars, and that's how you uh, re- recharge your batteries, and the batteries are what's used to power your takedowns. You buy, like, 100 candy bars, you know, you can just run around and take everyone down. You can instantaneously kill everyone in the room. 9.4. Nice. Liz just sent us a, a preview that, uh, or a JPEG that has the PC Gamer review, what was it, 9.4? Pre-order cancel. <laughs> Uh, Not good enough. <laughs> in other news, and I, I have to point this out because Derek, of course, is is one of our uh, RPG fan editors and you know friend of the podcast. He's been on before. Derek got a freaking brand of a Lassie tattoo. He got a freaking Lassie brand on Dude, his arm. Badass. I want to punch him cool. in the throat right now. Just go to Facebook and look at this thing. I, Derek, if you can hear, I hate you. God. 
I like how you're telling our listeners to go to Facebook. It's not on the RPG fan Facebook, so we can ask him to put it up there. I I can put it there. It does look kind of cool. No, it's kind of cool, but I haven't made him. Don't put it there without asking him. Yes, I'll ask him, but I can do it. Uh, It's talking smack on the podcast. (laughs) I saw that. <laughs> All right, so uh, I I just as, you know as long as it's not like Fallout Two or uh, Arcanum where I could literally just kill people and the game would end because there was nowhere that I could go. No, I, you you I I don't foresee based on what I've played and you know I suppose I can say this based on everything I've seen I don't think it's possible to break the scripting of the game like okay. you, there's no there, you can pretty much if you can do it in the game it won't break it. Okay, I accept that challenge. Okay. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> they actually side told quest me you killed all the NPCs. <laughs> they told me some really funny stories because every time I talked to someone, the first thing I said was, "Okay, you're building this game where choice is a thing. Have you seen anything insane happen in testing?" And they told me one funny story. It's in one of the interviews, but basically, what happened is they have this thing called a mind template, and in the mind template, um, you can attach a grenade to it, and it becomes a mine with that property of grenade, like an EMP grenade, a, a concussion grenade. And they had built the game so you could attach the mind templates to whatever you want. So he's fighting a big robot, and the tester apparently ran, sprinted at the robot, and threw the mind template at the robot. But because of the timing, the template stuck to Adam Jensen's gun. And so the guy started freaking out, and he starts running around, and he's, like, putting his gun up and down and, like, disarming himself. But the thing's attached to him, so he ended up blowing himself up. Oh and uh, the game director says, "I didn't." He's cracking up to me. He's going, "I had no idea that could happen. I didn't think that they could attach to the weapons, but apparently they can. So watch out." <laughs> he, said, like so you, he says, "You can turn yourself into a walking bomb." And I said, "Great." <laughs> oh boy, that, you know the, those are the kind of games that I love. One of the, one of the reasons that I I love Triace games and I love you know the Troika games and all of these games is. Because at their core, they're inherently broken. And I say this every time I review a Tri-Ace game, because every Tri-Ace game Star is... Star Ocean bro- 2 is the most broken game yeah. in the universe. Yes, it is broken. It's so horribly broken, but it's broken in all the right ways. <laughs> all the right Except places. when you're fighting the final boss. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I never did. I didn't set off the limiter accidentally, but... Um, yeah, whoops. See, I, know, I can't but... wait until we have a regular podcast and I can talk about Vampire for, like, ten minutes, because <laughs> I love that. I love that game, but I also hate it. <laughs> I have a very, like... It, it, nah, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it, so... Well, well, that's good. As You know, I'm I'm happy to hear, you know, as, as people on the podcast very well know, I tend to play evil and I tend to play murderous. Yes. John John has no soul. In, in video that? games. In know. video games. Meanwhile, what, oh, I have no soul you know in real life. <laughs> you know what? You know what? What's funny is when I played Old World Blues, I was actually like the nicest guy in the world because that uh, that was just written so well. And then he got to a kitten and he strangled it, just because he could. And now his avatar on the boards is a toaster. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think it's time for news. Uh, can we immediately? Okay, well, the news that Rob wants to talk about, and since the podcast is all about Rob, we'll start with that, is that there's some kind of Diablo 3 thing where you can spend real money and... Yeah, let's go over this here. Let's go over this here. You can also make 
real money. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's talk about all this. So uh, a couple weeks ago, so obviously we're a little late on this, but a couple weeks ago, uh, Blizzard had a huge event where they revealed uh, the rest of the features that are going to be in the beta, which is still scheduled to be released before September 30th. The big things to come out of it were, one, the game requires a constant internet connection. So you can't play Diablo 3 without an internet connection. First thing to talk about there. First thing to talk about there. If you're not playing it online, you're doing it wrong anyway. So stop complaining. I, I feel bad because some people, like I'll be honest, I'm probably gonna play Diablo three single player myself the first time just so I can enjoy it at my own pace. I think when you play these kind of games, you push each other forward in multiplayer and that's fine. But the first time through, I want it to be just me. But here's the thing, like for the people that don't have an internet connection. Okay, that really, really sucks. I'm sorry, but like, it does. Welcome well, but, to okay. the modern age. But, but, here's the thing. Here's the but, thing. If you have a PC that can play Diablo three, then you should theoretically have enough money to purchase internet. Like, I've heard people complaining, like, "Oh, not everyone can afford internet," and I'm like, "Well, not everyone can afford the PC that will play a modern 3D game." Yeah, and I think the other issue is like. It, it'll be. It would be nice to be able to play the game. Like if I was, say, caught in an airport for 14 hours and I had my lap, my laptop. Yeah, that would be kind of cool to be able to play Diablo 3. But you know what? Yeah. For what they're doing with Diablo 3, it's basically the closest thing to an MMO without being an MMO. So I understand the internet connection. I understand. Wait, wait, wait. No, the, clo- the they're not requesting a monthly fee. This is not Fantasy Star Online, where it's like, oh, would you like to play with three of your closest friends? Here, we require eight of your dollars. Yep, there you go. And so you know I, what? I don't understand why anybody was surprised by this. StarCraft Two came out. Yeah. It was just like that. What was everybody expecting? Yeah, the only difference is you can play the single player mode. You know, yeah, but, I, but again, they're they're not requesting. Right. You know, you, you can't use real life dollars in StarCraft. <laughs> The thing is, though, like, Diablo, the problem with the original Diablo is if you played an offline character, you couldn't take him online. Right. You know, like, you couldn't take your single-player character and play him with other people unless you played open battle net, and that was just asking to fight against guys that had, like, Warwind Mega Meteor Tornado. And so, <laughs> what's the point? No, but, but no, 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 I agree with you guys. I mean, I'm I'm trying to look at it from the fans' perspective, and I understand people are upset about it, but for me, it's not a big deal. The, you know what the, it is, Rob? Honestly? At this point, I think the reason it gets me so agitated is because at this point, I'm like the anti-Diablo guy. Everybody is so – like people are determined to hate everything about it. Well, we talked about that too, but let's – we're not done talking yet. The the thing that I find most interesting about Diablo 3 in this announcement uh, in the addition of real-life currency is that Diablo 2 was incredibly interesting as a standalone economy. Because you had things like the Stones of Jordan in multiplayer that that became an alternate currency. Yeah. Like, gold was worthless in Diablo 2 online. Unless you wanted to gamble. Yeah. You, you Stones of Jordan, so you could actually get something. And and it's interesting to see with the addition of real money into this, if there's going to be something that that spawns the same way as an alternate currency. Right. And so what John's talking about, for those that are unaware, is that Diablo 3 will have two auction houses, one that will use gold from in-game and one that will use real-life currency. Now – I I know a lot of people are really, really upset about the real-life currency. I'll admit that when I first heard it, I kind of gave a raised eyebrow, and I was like, bruh. But then, <laughs> but then the thing that you need to do – and I, I want everybody to do this right now that's listening to the podcast. If you have a computer open right now, go into Google and type in Diablo 2 items, 
and you will see hundreds of websites that are already selling real Diablo 2 items for very real money. This was already happening. And what this is is Blizzard saying, okay, we are going to allow this to happen. Obviously, we're going to take a cut of every transaction because we are providing a service to our players, but we are also protecting them from bad trades and from people screwing each other over. I myself will never use real-world money to buy items in Diablo 3. I will say that right now. Yeah, and for people who don't like it, they don't have to use it. Right, and Diablo 3, and I want to give credit to Jeff Kanata because he's the one who brought this up uh, two weeks ago on Weekend Confirmed, so I don't want anyone to think this is my own idea. But this is very different from spending real-world money in WoW because in Diablo 3, if John, Liz, Steven, and I all decide to play Diablo 3 together, we're the only people that we will ever see playing Diablo 3. Because we will have our own game. It's not like suddenly Zach can come flying into the game if we didn't invite him. So if we all aren't playing with real-world money, do you know how many people this affects in our group? Zero. Zero. So, I mean, I I don't understand. And, and John, you brought up your PvE argument, so I'll let you make that. John had to be our... Basically what John said was that the game is primarily PvE, so it's not like somebody buying better stuff is going to show up and start murdering you. The game isn't about PvP. Yes, in Diablo 2, the PvP was basically just to annoy other people, and it was awesome. But you know what? They were going to kill you anyway, so now they just have better stuff to kill you with. Yeah, I, I just I, – I think John – sorry. I think Steven's right. Uh, one thing that's very frustrating to me is like every time they announce something new for Diablo 3, the fan community is just – Furious, And I I understand that because, like, you're taking a 10-year-old game that has basically been built up to biblical proportions right now. I mean, for God's sake, Diablo 2 is probably my favorite game of all time. And now you're saying that you're going to screw with it. And so people are obviously going to have a knee-jerk reaction and be concerned. But here's the other thing to think about, guys. There is a game that is very similar to Diablo 2. It was made by the Diablo 2 guys. Kind of had everything going for it. More MMO-style stuff. It was called Hellgate London. It was also called Diablo 2. Yeah. <laughs> Which you can play anytime. Yeah, I don't want to play Diablo 2 anymore, though. I want to play... That's not actually game. entirely true. Right. Well, okay. But, like, I want to play a new game. And to me, the new things that they're doing in Diablo 3, are they kind of scary? Yeah, they're a little scary. I'm a little concerned about some things. But overall, I am super excited for Diablo 3. And I'm just... I'm frustrated that every Wait. time they announce something for this game, people just... It's like it's like they have a template prepared. Yeah. Like they fill Wait. out a piece of paper. They're like, okay, X new feature, awful. How dare they do this? I knew this would happen I, when they got a bought by Activision. B I, wow, became successful. John, you're trying I, to get in there. I, I'm confused. Rob said that he's excited for Diablo three. I had no idea. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> thought who thought? But like, I'll be honest. When I first heard the real world, the real money auction house, I was kind of like, whoa, like that kind of shocked me. But then I was you know, like, you know, it, I don't care. It's a concept that's not even new, even within the world of MMOs. You look at uh, EverQuest 2. EverQuest 2 has uh, station exchange servers. Yeah. Yeah. I and mean, that's on the regular, you know, that, I mean, that can affect you because that game has a lot of PvP. Yeah. If people want to do it, that's fine. But again, the PvP is not the focus of Diablo 3. Like, the focus is PvE. And if someone wants to take away the glory of finding those items okay i don't care it doesn't affect my game yeah it, it, you know it, it's it, not like they're saying you have to spend this money yeah, yeah. I, you know, 
you, and you it's can... not like it will really affect you if somebody else does it. Like, if let, they kill monsters faster, whoop de doo And let's be honest here. If this fails, okay, let's say that, you know, this is kind of like the Modern Warfare 2 uh, strike or whatever, the, when people were like, we're not going to buy Modern Warfare 2. But let's say they're this, all playing Modern Warfare 2. Right. But let's say this time the players actually do it. Do you think Blizzard is going to address the issue and maybe do something different? Of course. This is something they're going to monitor. Diablo 3 is a game that we could potentially be playing for another 10 years. If it blows up in their face, they're going to do something about it. Like, just let's stop complaining before it's even been implemented yet. Here's my thing. I never got into Torchlight. I enjoyed it a little bit, but it just felt like – it feels like every hack and slash since Diablo 2 is trying to say, okay, Diablo 2 plus the kitchen sink. Like, oh, you can get a million abilities, and you have a pet, and we have all this stuff for getting lots of loot, and the story is irrelevant, blah, blah, blah. Blizzard is doing what they always do, which is legitimately trying to innovate in that space rather than just create Diablo 2.5. Right. and I love the fact that they say, okay, your skills – everyone's going to have all the skills – what it comes into is how you choose to customize those skills. You can't break your skills. You customize them. They're actually trying to advance this genre instead of just rehashing it, which is, again, don't get me wrong, Torchlight is a great game, and I, you know, it's not really, you know, it's not the same price, but Torchlight is just rehashing Diablo 2. Yeah. Guys, if you want to play I'm Diablo tired 2, of that. If you want to play Diablo 2.5, there's an absolutely fantastic game. I already made the joke, John. What? The Hellgate London joke. No, I actually wasn't making a oh, joke. Oh, I apologize. Then so make your joke. Um, where if you want to play a Diablo-style game and you haven't played this, uh, made by a now-defunct studio called Iron Lore, uh, Titan's, Titan Quest and its expansion pack are great. And you can find the download now for absolutely nothing on Gamers Gator Steam or one of those other services. Yeah, I mean, I'm super jazzed about Diablo 3. I think I've decided I'm going to play a Witch Doctor because I really like the Witch Doctor skills. So I think I'm going to do that. I'm 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 so jazzed to play this game, and I think I'm just – it's really bringing me down how upset people are with it and how well, people are ju- with it. R- R- Rob, just be, I'll, I'll tell you the same thing that you're telling these people. It's not going to affect you how much these people like Diablo 3. Because everyone is going to buy it. Yep. It's going to sell a ton. It's going to be successful, and I'm going to enjoy the crap out of it. Yep. So we should probably move on to more news. Yep. Uh, what about uh, Final Fantasy Versus 13? We're going to see a big reveal at TGS, right? It's going to be huge, and we're going to see lots of gameplay. And uh, There's oh. just one problem with that. Oh. It's not going to be there whatsoever. Do we think this game's going to come out? I still think it's going to come out. They had a video of it at Idos Montreal. I, I think it's going to come out. They had a video of it? Yeah, it was weird. Were they was making like, fun of it? Random. It was in the office, and like it, like the trailer was just playing, and somebody walked by and goes, what the hell's that? And I was like, it's Final Fantasy Versus Thirteen. And we, he's like, I, oh, that exists? All right, John, is it going to come out? Yes. Liz? Like, I say 2000, late 2013. <laughs> 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 if even that. Like, uh, uh, honestly, um, like, it's a potential thing that it will be heavily delayed. But yes, the game will release. Square does not often cancel big projects. I know. I just think yeah. that at this point, it's it's almost gotten to the point of hilarity. I just think like like, like look at Final Fantasy Type O. That's finally coming out, so we have no reason to believe well, it. Versus which it. surprisingly, I having played a little bit of the Japanese Type O demo, very very fast paced combat. I mean, but the game is very pretty for a PSP game. Does it have exploding clothing? What what? No, but there was one point where my character transfer. Like I don't speak Japanese very well, so 
you know, pretty much I can do height EA and Tatakau means attack. Um, uh, I forget where I was going, but no, I transformed into Shiva and had a whole bunch of crazy attacks. And I was like, I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> uh, I, I, can you confirm or deny? Does it, is it Fantasy Star Online Final Fantasy? Wait, Sagan? We, we're talking about Type Zero, right? Yeah. Is I, I have kept getting the impression that it was just Final Fantasy's version of Fantasy Star Online. Is that what it is, or is it an actual like something else? I I, I don't know. Like I said, I I, I don't know. I I can't, I can't tell you how the game is set up because I don't speak Japanese. So pretty much, it was run into this room, talk to some Moogle, and get transported into a mission. Mm-hmm. So. Um, if that's like Fantasy Star Online, then yes. Yeah, you talk about <laughs> Fantasy Star Online. Fantasy Star. Can we call them Moggles from now on? Because Moggle sounds funny. Okay. So Final Fantasy Versus 13 will not be a TGS, which is kind of kind of a bummer. I was a little bit high on the game after seeing the latest trailer, and it actually looked like a freaking video game that was running. But I wasn't like surprised that it's not going to be a TGS. I don't know. It just seems like they still don't have much to show yet. Because we've seen barely anything since the beginning of the year. Well, didn't Nomura say like a couple months ago that, oh yeah, we're getting ready to start full production well, on Versus well, 13? We, but we had known that they so that had was pulled. On. But we had known that they had pulled uh, developers off of the project to work on the standard 13 game. Yeah, and that worked out well. Yeah, and they probably did that for 13 too, too. So. Yeah, uh, you know, whatever. Square, you got right. ASX coming out. Cool. So. More news. Um, the Witcher 2 for Xbox 360 unfortunately delayed till first quarter of next year. Crying. Um, this. I don't have a PC uh, or an Xbox, but Witcher 2 Xbox 360 was delayed. Um, this is partially for polish, and what was interesting is this is the first time that I have seen a press release where this press release came from uh, CD Projekt directly in Poland. And they were like, yeah, there's an ongoing uh, legal dispute with Namco Bandai. Which I'm really confused on this. I'm really, really confused on this. John, can you enlighten me? So, okay, so Namco Bandai is the publisher and distributor of the title in Western Europe, the Asian territories, and Central and South America. That's where I got messed up. Okay. Okay. THQ signed on to be the publisher of the Xbox 360 version in that territory. Namco Bandai is saying, wait, what's going on here? We thought our contract covered all platforms. Oh, That's really unfortunate. Oh, I hope this is resolved because I I think it'll be a real shame if this game is held back because of a legal dispute. And I I think that'd be a real shame. Yeah, because I'm going to review the 360 version. We need to hurry the crap up. It, it better come out because I don't want to buy a PC for it. Yeah, Actually, you know what? I, I'm willing to. I'm willing to say if I have my new PC in the next three months, I'm okay with it being delayed. Well, another. Uh, so I, I think we're all kind of hopeful that that gets resolved and we have the Xbox 360 version. In other news, apparently at Gamescom next week, they're going to announce what is in the Witcher 2 2.0 patch, which. Wh- which- um, Which contains I, I, a metric ton of more awesomeness. I, I don't mean to cut you off. I just want to if, – if any of our readers are out at Gamescom, um, CD Projekt actually requested the use of the RPG fan logo. So if there's, there's probably going to be something in their booth with our logo on it, which we're, we're always stoked about. We, we, think that it, we think that it's some kind of, of pamphlet. So I've asked our PR guys to – or the PR guys at, at CD Projekt to grab me some. So Cool. 
But uh, yeah, looking like they're going to release. Uh, I we don't know anything about the patch. We just know it's coming. Um, I'm really excited because I think that there's some things that could, you know, little tweaks here and there that could make that game even better. I still think it's a really, really good, strong game. I'm super excited that 360 gamers will get to play it. And, you know, we could have something like the Enhanced Edition on our hands right now, which really fixed a lot of problems in the original Witcher and made it a pretty good game. So, you know, I, I one thing that we talked about in the pre-show warm-up, and I, I do want to just bring it up and then we can move on. I find it interesting the difference in reaction between, you know, CD Projekt announces, okay, we're going to release a new patch for The Witcher 2. And everyone's like, yeah, CD Projekt is supporting the fans, and they're they're showing us that they love their creation. Meanwhile, Obsidian releases, like, let's say, Dungeon Siege 3 with broken PC controls, and then they release a patch that fixes it, and our response is, well, that should have been the way it was before, and you released a half-finished project. I, I'm going to make the same bad joke I made before, and it's because you have CD Projekt Red from Poland, and their games are polish. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, but it, but isn't that? But, isn't it, but now, it. wait, wait, wait. But isn't it interesting that CD Projekt has a reputation as being a fan favorite developer? You know, we had the whole outcry over, uh, you know, them saying, "Please don't pirate. We're not going to include DRM." And just by saying, "Please don't pirate." People didn't pirate the game, and people were like, yeah, you shouldn't pirate for Witcher 2, because, because they told you not to. And well, meanwhile, you guys are jerk-offs. Yeah, and meanwhile, EA and Activision and now Blizzard are like the evil empire, like out to strangle puppies. Well, but you know what? You're always going to have those people who are up against the man. You know, there are the people who claim that they're going to pirate Skyrim because uh, Bethesda's lawyers hit a cease and desist at Notch. Yeah. I, and, you know, I... Like, uh, honestly, like, if you're going to – knowing how people are, you know what? If somebody's going to pirate a game, they're going to pirate a game. Yeah. I, I just Which I is just unfortunate. Like, you know what? It, you – I don't think people realize the scope of a work that goes into a game, yeah. like a full-fledged game. You're, and you're talking about people's jobs here. But, you know, say that, you, you know, I, I, I work for uh, an industrial supplier. You know, say – Somebody got mad, stopped ordering industrial supplies, whatever. You know what? That affects people. If they were to say, oh, you know, I can duplicate these industrial supplies using, a, you know, a whatever from Star Trek. Diablo. <laughs> <laughs> Dupe trick. Dupe trick. Put it on the ground and pick it up really fast. Oh, I made more. <laughs> <laughs> but no, John's right. I mean, I, I think that yeah. – if if anybody's listening to the show, and, and of course I'm not going to call people out that maybe have pirated in the past, but just remember that when you are pirating a game, like you're taking away money from people that are putting a lot of time into things. There's a lot of effort that goes into this. We're seeing companies shuttered left and right right now for like one bad game. You really need to realize that the economic hard time that we're having in America right now, it isn't just hitting you know Wall Street. It's hitting everybody, and it's hitting game developers. And for for people to pirate games, just remember you're taking money away from the developers that maybe you love so much. And don't use the BS argument of, well, you know, I'm just going to try it, and then – Or if, I wouldn't have bought it anyway. But like, whoop do yeah, you Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Don't, don't use that argument. So just – you know? I think that's I think that's an excuse that some people use to pirate from yeah. bigger companies, but not little companies. Well, some of them know that it'll affect the little companies more. You know, but... like I I'm of the mind of piracy is bad, okay? Yeah. Yeah. 
So okay. I think I think that's where like, we I don't either, to... but that's uh, kind of the mentality I've I, seen out there. I'll leave it there. So I, I, th- I think we've spoken enough about that topic. Um, <laughs> Lord of the Rings: War in the North going to be out November first, beating Skyrim by ten days. Whoopee! Um, be fun. Good luck. You know, it, it's another one of those dungeon siege style games. So I won't bet that War in the North will make the NPD because <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think that it will. He learned his lesson the first time. Um, Borderlands mm-hmm. 2? Yeah, Borderlands 2? Woohoo! Borderlands can I just, 2. Wait, wait. And but basically I, the, the gist of it is they're adding everything everybody wanted, so everybody should go buy it. I don't want to start a fight with Randy Pitchford. I really don't. No, 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 Rob. You know what I'm going to say, right? No, please don't. Okay, then I won't like, say it. I won't say it, but we all knew it was coming. You know, We all knew it was coming. Look, yeah, yeah well, we all knew it was coming because they said, oh, yeah, we totally want to make another Borderlands. Yeah. And, and this but, one sold really well, but, and we yeah. perhaps the DLC, which I, also I, I sold th- really well. I think it's frustrating when, okay, you know what, you've got all these embargoes and everything set up so that you can have this nice announcement, and then to have it all kind of fall apart because somebody blabbed sucks. Sure, sure. No, it does suck. It takes some wind out of your sails, but don't resort to childish name-calling. That's yeah, a bit but, much. But you know what? The, the game's journalism industry name calls people in the games industry a lot so no, i don't that's a good that point no, that's so a good much. point I, I feel for them i think it would have been cool if they had able had if they had been able to have the announcement that they initially wanted to but what we're talking about is that is that the borderlands 2 announcement kind of came out a, a little bit soon like it came out a day or two early and you know randy pitchford was obviously upset about it as john was saying he he wants to get it out there and that's that's really cool but at the same time like it just kind of got nasty and some things were said that i just don't th- you know mistakes were made things were said that i just don't think were classy and i yeah, i, I no, just have I, a problem with that you know don't don't do that you know on both sides both sides you know just stop so uh namco bandai has announced a game called heroes fantasia which is a crossover RPG with people from a whole bunch of different animes. Okay. So, um... Yeah, let's see if that even comes here. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's a game that I, I sincerely doubt we will see in North America, so I hope you speak Japanese if you like Scryde or Blood Plus or Mahime or Slayers or any of those. Cool. cool. Um, PC version of Bastion out probably the day we put up this podcast. Uh, it's going to be out August 16th. Cool. I might pick that up. All right, all right, all right, all right. So um, actually, have, uh, oh, I, oh, wait. You know, I don't want to say it before. It's for sure yet. But, yeah, the PC version of Bastion is going to be awesome, and the music is awesome, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Skyrim has joined War in the North and a bunch of other RPGs with having an incredibly expensive collector's edition. Oh, my God. Uh, for $150, you can get this big, giant map, an art book, and a 12-inch statue of Aldeun Al, the World Eater. <laughs> it looks awesome, but I would never pay that much, even if I was into Elder Scrolls. You know how much I pay for my games? The Whatever the $60 is to get the disc. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm done it's, collecting it's, plastic crap. Actually, you know what's pretty cool is the cloth map. I, I'll, I'll give it that. I'm down with cloth maps. <laughs> Yay, well, the cloth, cloth map. map. The cloth map is the, just the pre-order thing. Yeah. Did you guys watch Perfect. the... Yeah, so if you want the cloth map, just go and pre-order. Did you guys watch the 40-minute preview that that leaked online from uh, 
from QuakeCon, and the audience was like absolutely losing their mind. You like, they were like booing the <laughs> They were like, "Kill the deer! Kill the deer!" No, no, there was no yelling, but like I've never understood like cheering and such in demos. Like, they, there were people who were cheering at stuff when they were showing menus or that sort of stuff in the E3 demo, <laughs> and it was like, you know what? You're like, dude, I understand your point here. I, I do. <laughs> I understand your excitement, yeah. but... Like, even the Mass Effect 3 demo wasn't like that. <laughs> or anything Effect... I've been to well, at E3. The, the Mass Effect 3 demo was packing 40 people into a room that fit 15, so... That's true. <laughs> Sweet. Um, Dead Island is gold, and will be out on, I think, the 5th of next month. Six. Yeah. Borderlands with melee weapons. Yes. There's, yeah, so, there's your right there, guys. <laughs> and zombies. Well, hey, Borderlands, Borderlands already had zombies. zombies. You know what? Not only did Borderlands have zombies, but it had zombies with beer hats. So <laughs> it wins. <laughs> I, 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 to go back a second, I am really excited for Borderlands 2. I just hope that I, – I just hope there's more to it. I, I don't know what it was about Borderlands 1, but it just didn't have that, that spark. Maybe it's if it had been called Diablo, Diablo with guns. Yeah. Maybe if it had just been called Diablo, I would have had that spark. But would you have liked Hellgate London if it were called Diablo with guns? Well, if it wasn't Diablo that completely broken, whatever it was. Possibly. Dude, I remember playing the beta for Hellgate London and saying to myself, this game is really cool, but I can't believe this game comes out in a week. No, like, <laughs> like, I go back, and we gave Hellgate London a uh, PC game of E3 three years in a row. Oof. No, but here's the thing. The the game, is, if you look at it, you go, wow, this is fantastic. It just needs some polish. The problem is we looked at it three years in a row, and we went, wow, this game is fantastic. It just needs some polish. It needs some Polish people. Yes, it needs some Polish. <laughs> CD Projekt Red, <laughs> why, didn't, why didn't you help out? Oh, boy. Okay, so is that it for news? No, I've got three more news stories. Jesus, God. Um, well, these are short ones. Persona 2 Innocent Sin, if you're in Europe, you will be getting it. Congratulations. Ooh. When is it coming out in America? Next is month. It? Wow. Oh, good. Yeah. Now cool. I can try to play it again and not finish it again. No, it, no, you have tried to play Eternal Punishment. You have never, well, unless you were trying to play it in Japanese. I can't finish any of the games in the Persona series, and they're all awesome, which is why it boggles my mind. Because you I love that. You finished a love... single one? No, I've made it to the second strata or whatever in three like eight times in like 50 uh, million different versions uh i've made it past the first dungeon in four and i always thought it was awesome the only one i don't like is the first one yeah the, no, first, the first one's quite archaic the four four is so good man four well, the i thing, love it's not that i don't like them i think wait, they're wait, awesome wait. like i play them and i enjoy them completely i'm just... talking about a game that i like more than Stephen. okay Ooh. more news i have seen god I'm, I'm scared. John. More news. Uh, Claw Dune X2 out at the end of this month on this PlayStation Network. Yes, only. Yes. Is it an RPG? Yeah. yeah. You is. reviewed the first one. Was that an RPG? Yes, it was. Yes? Why is nobody getting this funny joke I'm making? Uh, the subtitle for the first one is This is an RPG. Uh, yeah, I don't get it. This, okay, this moving on. <laughs> um... And the last one was actually news that just came out yesterday. Uh, Larian Studios, the developers of Divinity, um, have announced a game called Dragon Commander, which is a turn-based strategy RPG based in the same universe. In which you control horses. Yes, you control horses in Dragon Commander. Do you see those mans over there that are made of horse? 
<laughs> are we done? That, are, are we done? Rob apparently wants to go and do something else. I'm tired. Um, I'm oh, just tired. Oh, Neptunia X2 is going to have, uh, what is it, Falcom Tan? Falcom Tan and an NIS character and a whole bunch of other developer-based Tans. Yeah, that's, like, I honestly, that game scares me. What's the <laughs> game that lets me shoot people with, with uh, Keiji and Afune? That, <laughs> is that, that one? Yeah, that's, that's the game, that's the game. One. Okay, because I read the Japanese and I remember laughing because all of his moves had really funny names, too. Like developer he's, beam. He's basically photoshopped <laughs> into the game. Oh, <laughs> and it's not like they like attempted to put the graphics in like subtly. Like it's literally the photograph Photoshop with yeah. his head out of it that comes out and opens up like South Park Canadian style and like shoots laser beams. <laughs> I love it. It's just so bizarre. So this is why he quit Capcom. Anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. Go, yeah go buy Fallout. New Vegas Old World Blues, if you own Fallout New Vegas. I said that last podcast. I'm going to say it again. Dude, the toaster is the best character in that DLC. I guess i got to play more New (laughs) Vegas. Maybe I'll pick that up now that I'm done with Vampire. Oh, and Lonesome Road won't be out this month, apparently. Lonesome Road Road was delayed. I must know, John. Yes. Is the toaster heroic? No, no, it is not heroic. Actually, it is, in fact, pretty much the opposite of heroic. Is he valorous? No, Literally, is he the kind of toaster that would go out of his way to help somebody who's in danger? No, and especially not a blanket. What the hell are you guys talking about? Oh, apparently Rob has never. He is not. He's he's not not a brave little toaster. No, he's oh oh oh. But however, he he is very much like me in the way that I play games. Um, he is all about murdering and destroying. Okay, that's the way. So he kind of is a brave toaster. And on that wonderful note. I'm just trying to get us out, guys. We're almost at an hour and a half here. I'm trying to help out. Jeez. Well, we have a bunch of stuff to edit out, so. Oh, that's what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Swear to me. Is that Adam or Batman? I can't tell anymore. I think it's a combination of the two. <laughs> you can't decide if he's Batman, Batman or not. It does sound like Adam Jensen smoked three packs a day since high school. He kind of looks like he does, too. Yeah, well. He, 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 he got beat up. All right, so uh, thank you for listening to this Human Revolution-focused podcast. We're looking at an August 23rd release date, so I know Steven's review should be going up pretty close to that date. Hopefully he finishes the game. I know he's going to play the game. That review will be up the day we can have it up. Cool. All right. So I I would like to do next week's podcast entirely around uh, Barkley, Shut Up, and Jam Guyton. Oh, God, I heard of that. Holy crap, John. Have Which, you seen the playthrough of that? I, I played yeah. it when it came out a couple of years ago. Oh I my really want to play that this. Game is, that game is really dramatic. Oh, yeah, so <laughs> you, like, I was watching a video of a playthrough, and I was like, this game is surprisingly dramatic. I want to talk about Vampire, and you want to talk about no. Barkley. Shut up and jam. All right. Yeah, yeah, I do. I so, uh, no. anywho. So uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to the show. Uh, remember to subscribe through iTunes, through the RSS feed. Uh, give us comments on the boards. Let us know what you guys think of the show. Po- Maybe. Po- podcast at RPGFan.com. We've gotten one email. Oh, oh, oh. One. Oh, boy. And, uh, and, and it was about how, how Rob never wants to talk about JRPGs. Was it really? <laughs> yeah. Yes, it was. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs>
<laughs> oh boy. Okay. Well, that makes sense. All right. So for uh, Stephen, who we dropped in the call, uh, Liz and John, uh, thank you everybody for listening, and we'll talk to y'all later.